What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's 1.47 a.m. in the St. Mark's Church Rectory, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome back to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm here in LA. My name is Tess Lynch, and with me, as always, are Emily Yoshida and Molly Lambert. Guys, we have a lot of robot news to cover at the top of this show. It's our brief robot conversation from last week. Bot news. Bot news. Um, First off, we have a follow up on what we were talking about last week. Does Wall E have a gender? Is he male? Is Evie female? Um, I looked into this and I found Kate Bornstein's blog. She has a whole uh, essay on this. I will quote from it. 
Yes. Eve is Eve Evie Eve? Evie is pretty pertly streamlined. <laughs> Eve's eyes literally sparkle and dance. Eve giggles for heaven's sake. Eve is kick-ass, strong and powerful. Eve is performing femme. Wally is rugged and protective and shy and loyal. Wally is is a sensitive little thing held together by sheer will and rubber bands. Wally is performing butch. I believe this is the definitive answer. Okay. I'm just going to say. I believe that robots can perform gender. Right. They can perform gender, but they cannot have a gender. Exactly. Because the gender is robot. The gender is robot. Robot is, is their gender. Agreed. But wait, does that mean that... Mm, okay, never mind. I'm not going to get into any authority or discussion of gender <laughs> on this podcast. Nope, absolutely not. Um, yeah, no, they're fr- they, they, should, they should revel in their freedom from having to deal with this question at all. We should let them have that. Um, we also got an interesting tip from listener Angela, um, who sent us an article. This is a very night call article from Smithsonian Magazine about how in 1983, a Chinese restaurant in Pasadena called Two Panda Deli put a pair of, quote, disco-blasting robots to work as servers. The article goes on to say each Japanese-built robot purportedly cost $20,000, about $45,000 adjusted for inflation, but were prone to dropping things and letting radio interference make them go a bit haywire. When they worked, they were a hit, telling jokes and delivering food to customers who were assured that this would be the future of the restaurant business. In the mid-1980s, the robots gained some national press in typical news-of-the-world fashion. And so it was. there's a blurb about how the robots were just so not technologically advanced that they would just kind of, like, switch between languages. Like, they would drop food all over the place. They wouldn't know what to do when something was in their path. So it was a very short-lived experiment. Yeah, it said police radios interfered with their signals. (laughs) If they got too confused by commands, they would say, that's not my problem, which, (laughs) relatable. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Especially if you've worked as a server. We're always trying uh, to radicalize the robot service army. That's been a big theme on our show. Yes. I mean, this feels very 80s in that, like, they have to, like, demarcate that it's a Japanese-built robot, but it's also at a Chinese restaurant. At a Chinese restaurant. It does feel like also that first wave of 80s, like, the robots are coming to take over our jobs, which now we're back in again, kind of. But it was just cute. that, And and then it was just, like, shorthand for Japanese people, too. Um, And now it's just actually uh, the robots are indeed coming for our jobs. They are. (laughs) They're always making service robots. They're never making, like, management class robots. But they're making journalism robots. They are. What? You don't know about this? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, don't you know about, like, tons of blogs are just automated content now? No, I did not. Have you ever read one where you're like, who could this be written (laughs) by? Like, this is not written by a human. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those were still written by a person just badly. No. No, I think that you can auto-generate. I mean, like, have you ever... This is like there's a moment in Vanderpump Rules when Jax goes to Vegas and sees a robot bartender, and he's like... (laughs) My job shaking. Yeah, he's just like... I can make a better drink than this robot. Yeah. I mean, well, the 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 content that the robot, the journalism robots right now are generating are, is content that I have been paid to 
generate before, but have not generated in some time. But it is that kind of totally mindless, like, here are some of the top moments from this week's Kardashians episode, like that kind of thing, which Wait, I used to do. Like, I get used to get paid minimum that's wage. That's when outsourced to, that kind of to bots? Yes. That's I when... also think that there are some celebrity, like, info on celebrities yes. where you can tell, because at first you could think, okay, this could just be like run through Google Translate, but they have the same cadence as the chat bots. So mm-hmm. that's what makes it identifiable. Yeah. And like the same weird phrases that nobody actually uses and wouldn't probably yeah. pop up in a Wait, Google guys, Translate. What if they outsource podcasting to bots? Oh, they will. No, <laughs> they, they can't. Well, we're about to talk. About, well, we will talk later in the episode about a particular kind of podcast that I think could very easily be outsourced to bots. Oh, I think you're right. But first, <laughs> let's talk about a cutie robot named Bali. Bali. Bali is the non-threatening smart robot that was recently rolled out by Samsung. It is a service robot, and it's basically like a, uh, what are the robot vacuum cleaners? Roomba. Like a Roomba? Like a Roomba. But it looks like a tennis ball. It's a prototype still. It looks like BB-8. Yeah. It's but it's only BB- one. Yeah, just one little ball. He doesn't have the head balancing on top. And they purposely tried to make it non-threatening looking, and it's going to be affordably priced. Um, but it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying because it follows you around at a quote unquote safe distance or a comfortable distance. Like it follows you. It looks like about three and a half feet behind yeah. you. And it won't stop until you ask it to go away. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the one from the Miley episode of Black Mirror. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is sort of like, it's sort of my dream of what I wanted in a robot. But I just wanted one that would play music for me. That's all that I want. Like, you know how people like, like sometimes. That's write, a radio. Yeah, but like not if you're not in the car. You could bring a radio. Where? You Don't you have like a little portable wind-up radio? Yeah, a boom, a boom no, what about I don't a- have a portable wind-up radio. <laughs> For emergencies. Is that, is that like a normal uh, thing to have? Yeah, yes. A, that's an 80s earthquake kit Exactly. Thing I have one. It has <laughs> it a flashlight a, built in. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's when yeah. pa- when power doesn't work after sure. the earthquake. And then it and has batteries, but then you can wind it if you Do run out of batteries. Do work? Because I, prob- yes. I have one that's probably from the 80s. Also, it will work. Work in the case of an EMP. Of a what? An EMP. An electric magnetic uh, oh. pulse. <laughs> of course, of course. I think, well, the deal That's is... the real thing we have to prepare for, right. obviously. An EMP. <laughs> I was like an ENT. Like, I, I think if you're a doctor of nose and throats, like, it should still work for you. Um, it works. like the Electronic Music Project. Right. <laughs> Interesting where we the all Elon go. Musk. Wait, you guys are not hip to an EMP. Like, that's like, that is a doomsday threat. I don't think no. so. Yeah. No, it's like this scenario in which all, like, it could cr- come from a solar flare or something. Wait, I, all I was scared about was that it would take down the internet, and which would probably, for me personally, only be, be the positive. End of life. <laughs> oh, well, no, that would be great. Right. But it would take down everything that runs on electricity. Like, nothing. Oh, oh, uh, they yeah. made a really bad show on ABC, I feel like, five or six years ago that was about this, about, like, a total blackout. It's like a permanent blackout, and you can never have any power anymore, and it's just Damn. like... I but mean, then you're gonna really want that wind up radio. Well, that's what I'm asking. But it won't. Work? It won't give you a radio. Also, you wouldn't well, get I, anything. The, I think right. the real question is, might be able anything. to pick up like like if you know the, janky. But if the power is off at the radio station, can they even? No, that you wouldn't be getting anything. But you know what it can do that's cool is it makes like a really loud <laughs> siren noise. <laughs> well, that's important. That's not related to anything. <laughs> that's 
anything else. <laughs> well, the, no, so, I've definitely thought about the like the no technology apocalypse. Because um, anytime I go somewhere that has no technology, like if you go up the central coast or something mm-hmm. and you're off the grid, even for like a night or two, it does make you realize how reliant all of us are on mm-hmm. it to a degree that is unhealthy. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. thinking about this. I was like, it's like the world's most boring drug. Electricity? It, yeah. Just like yeah. what a what a like not that fun thing to be addicted to. Well, it's like sugar. It's like you don't even think about how addicted you are to, you are to sugar until you try to deliberately take it out of your That's diet it. and then you really withdraw hard. Like <laughs> I'm drinking a ginger ale and looking across the table at a bag yeah. full of candy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're on we're on the drip. It's like a Halloween candy, like a giant plastic bag filled with mini candy bars. <laughs> It's how they keep us podcast until the bots get here. Exactly. Yeah. Sugar I mean, and electricity. I, I'm I'm on the fence about Bali though, I have to say. I have to I feel like I have to pronounce it Bali. Well, I thought of you because you were such a BB eight. I know, and I want a little enthusiast. ball. Like that's what I want out of a And there's like there's one with wings on it from an anime that people were posting. That's what I want. I want what I want is this robot that's in Sailor Moon. That Chibi Sailor Moon has called Luna P. It's a cat head that floats around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best. Yeah. And she can, like, turn it. She can press a button on it and turn it into anything she wants it to be. That's what what I want. But what does it do? It just is a companion. Oh, it's just a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Just like listen. It's to like her. a babysitter because she's like a yeah. kid and she's yeah. like she's like on her own, so she has a robot babysitter. It says Bali would be like a baby monitor. That's what they're advertising. But also, it. it said in in the Venture Beat article that covered this, it said that it could be used to spy on your kids to let you know if they're doing their homework, which made me really freaked out because I'm like, well, then you can like be spying on your spouse. You can be like spying well, on yeah, your friends. Well, yeah, of course, that's terrible. Yeah. But it's that's all, all technology, right? Yeah, but that's bad. I don't want a little tennis ball that's like creeping around. Well, it's so much more sinister because they made it look, tried to make it not look sinister. Well, here's what I think. I think we could still have these things, but they have to be like homebrew robots. What do you mean? Like, Like we get someone who's not part of the surveillo state. That it's kind of like open source. You're sent a kit and then it's up to you. Yeah, you make it yourself. You have control of the network, so it's not going to be sending your data to some whore. You know, people could still hack it, probably. Yeah. But what would you use it for, though? What would be its? If like you Emily could design said, it, just to have a little friend to follow a little, you around. Just a buddy. A I mean, because that's what I do. Like when I'm wandering around the house getting ready, and I'm listening to podcasts or whatever. I'm just taking my phone in my hand with me. Okay. And if that was just floating behind my head and play and following <laughs> me around and playing my podcast, so I don't have to remember to pick it up, or I could like use both. You hands could get to do something. Sonos. Well, I will say, (laughs) my friend got the most amazing boombox from the swap meet in MacArthur Park. There's like this electronics store that faces the street, Mm -hmm. has a lot of amazing boombox type things with microphones and amazing LED displays. And I've been really thinking like, maybe this is the way. I I use my radio all the time and I used to have a boombox that was like a kind of like early 2000s boombox that played CDs, which also I have. Yeah, no, And that's I would great. use that all the time. I was trying to find a DVD and video player a while ago, and I was like, where can I find one of those? And everybody was like, 2003. Ooh, like, sick oh. burn. But somebody at a record store gave me one. Cause oh, nice. They had one. Also, but you can get one still at like yeah. you know Best Buy, and they cost like twenty dollars. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I also like watching like a regular TV now because I'm like it's not a mm-hmm. camera, it's not 
tracking my location. Right. That is relaxing in and of itself. Yeah. Well, because you were watching everything on a laptop for a while. I was like a very early adopter of, oh my God, I was watching a Sex in the City episode last night where Samantha's like, you can get a DVD delivered. It's fabulous. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was like pirating things when you could first, I was like, ooh, movies on a screen and I can just like search for any movie I've ever wanted to see. Like that sounds great. But now I do feel like there's just like too much choice and also not enough. Yeah. Like I never want to watch anything that's on any of the streaming platforms except maybe some weird like deep cuts on Hulu that I find. Still couldn't get you on board with the Kaminsky method. Such I couldn't a get shame. into the Kaminsky. <laughs> so horrible. I'm just waiting for the next hit of Kaminsky. <laughs> it's taking its time. I respect your your commitment to the Kaminsky method. Your commencement. My commit. Kaminsky. <laughs> There's no way to do it. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. Seems so easy. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a quick break for an ad, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about a fun field trip that Molly went on. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Night Call. Uh, Molly, you went on a very special adventure this past week um, into the home of, of uh, one of our faves. <laughs> I got in the zone. Was it her home? It's her home. It's the spiritual, spiritual yeah, spirit, home. The shrine. I went to the zone. Brittany the zone. The Brittany Spears experience. Were you in the zone? I was in the zone. I was alone in the zone. And You're never alone in the zone. I wasn't like fully alone. I was with a group, but I wish I had gone with you guys because I realized halfway through, I was like, oh, this is like you're supposed to do it with a friend so you can take pictures of each other and like experience it with someone. <laughs> Isn't that the point of like all pop-ups? It's just a thing to have yeah, your picture but taken I'm, at. I was just like, you know, okay, time to enter the void alone, like a psychonaut, <laughs> you know? But then I needed people to help me take good pictures. I want a full guided tour of well, the Britney Zone. Yeah, what so so tell us what this is, why it is, where it is. I was asked by uh, my editor at the LA Times, Craig Marks, if I wanted to write about it, and I said, of course. Um, it is in a former Kmart okay. across from the Grove. I know that Kmart. Oh, that Kmart. Yeah. yeah, in this amazing mini mall that has really not changed at I all. I love that mini mall. Even though it, the Grove has been across from it Best for like 15 way. years Wig now. Store. Yeah, it's like yeah. the Britney Museum is next to the Wig store. Which Wig is store, like, Whole Foods though. Yeah, but still, like there's a Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. In, like, a That's kind of Italian back restaurant. in it. There used to be a really good Thai place there. I don't know if it's the still whole, there. The whole That's vibe good. is perfect for Britney the Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, yeah, it's a pop-up experience uh, put on by a production company in conjunction with like a merchandising agency. So it's basically like a store to buy Britney merchandise. And then also 10 rooms, each one themed after a different Britney Spears video with immersive experiences and uh, a bracelet, a chip bracelet that you scan to make videos in different parts of it. Whoa. It's Brit- a chip bracelet. It's Britney land. Yikes. A chip bracelet that says is the it? zone on it. It was like an hour after I left the zone that I was like, I have to get the bracelet off. What yeah. if it's tracking me? Oh. Wait, did you did you leave with it on? Yeah. Is really? it just a paper bracelet or No, it? no. It's like um it's like a backstage. It's an bracelet. RFID. Yeah. Like a- it's on a it's on like a just a piece of fabric. But it's like the Coachella one that has yeah, a little Yeah, it has thing. a little chip in it. Weird. But then it's like was pulled too tight and I like went into a place to be like, cut this off me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well at um, least it wasn't an anklet. No. That's good. But um the zone is basically an escape room, but like for an escape to the past, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely for 
people in their 30s. Yeah. Um, to be like, hey, remember 20 years ago? Don't you wish uh, it was still that a little bit instead of now? Remember when you had what you thought the future was going to be like? Yeah, it was the crazy video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> remember the TRL, the late 90s turn of the millennium uh, projection of the future where everything was going to be like vinyl Oh yeah, vinyl bodysuits, yeah. vinyl bodysuits, everything in a glitter lens. Yeah, that was a good future, and then it got dystopian in like a much worse and boringer it was way. Okay, but I would not look back on the music, particularly the music videos of Britney Spears, and be like, "Ah, oh, yes, I wish I could live there." That's what you think, but <laughs> now the first. Okay, so the first room is "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time," sure. and it's just like a classroom set. Um, Do you get costumes? No costumes. There are like some interactive lockers. Do you get like what pens? You can just open and close them. You can write a a note to Brittany and like leave it in a locker. And then there's like a tiny basketball hoop and tiny pink basketballs. You can play basketball. Um, just like in the video, just like in the video, and they show uh, the video on a giant screen. I mean, there's a classroom set that just looks like a porn set, which obviously I was a big fan of. Mm -hmm. But they just show the video on a giant screen. It's like it's an art installation of that music video. Mm -hmm. It just it it just makes you think about like where you were at these different moments in time a lot. That's a lot of like simula simulacrum going on there. I, you know, I've I've never been a big fan of pop-up museums because they, like, take over spaces that should be turned into, like, homeless shelters. And then mm-hmm. they're like, the fruit museum, yeah. you know, like, jump in a pile of clementines. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, so crazy that that's how the world works. It just yeah. seems like a trick to give everyone the flu, those museums. It's oh, like, yeah. here, lick the wall. Giant vector. I looked yeah. into the history because I guess they were, like, invented by the Museum of Ice Cream a yeah. couple years ago. Which oh, that was cool more than a couple. Couple years ago, it's 2018. According no, Museum to of Ice Cream is kind of really old that's and in the articles I found about it. But I they invented like... the sprinkle pool, which is the like the centerpiece so of any experience. I was actually I was so disappointed when the first time I heard about the Museum of Ice Cream because I was like I would actually like to go to a well, real museum of ice cream, too, right? <laughs> like a historical museum. I mean, just yeah. the idea of the selfie museum. You know, as a thing of like, oh, people are taking selfies in front of art, so let's just like cut out the middleman that is the art and just make it places to take selfies in front of. Yeah. However, the Britney Museum is like fraught with a lot more meaning. Yeah. In a way that like it does feel like an art installation where you're like, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff in this space and not Mm -hmm. just like taking selfies mindlessly, but like mindfully. Is it more or less spiritual than the Hilma F. Klimt show at the Guggenheim? Well, (laughs) there is a spiritual component, which is that, um, so there's like different, the other different rooms are like, oops, I did it again, a space room. Mm -hmm. There's a room with a stronger video that has metal chairs and like a weird, like, Shutter. What was the laser. stronger video? It's like her dancing remember. on a chair. Okay. It's just really? her jump, like da- like da- it's like a solo dance video, like a Janet Jackson like routine with a chair where she's like, oh, I remember it, spinning the chair all around. Yeah. It's about her taking control of her womanhood. It's a great video, but it's also like a weird one to do a room around. So it's just a black box with chairs in it, which mm. is very like 
It's like so weird. It's like the rain room at LACMA or something. Do they have one where you can like get in an argument with Stephen Dorff? (laughs) (laughs) No, but they have me against the music where you can dance with like a Britney impersonator who's on the other side of a wall. She was not working the day we were there. Oh, Um, no. And you get to be Madonna with the cane on the other side. Oh, my God. And that's when you scan the bracelet and it's like now a countdown and then it's like you do your dance. I saw Katie from Vanderpump Rules did it uh-huh. um, with the cane where you get to do it on the other side oh of the my wall. God. So stuff like that. And that was where there was like a swing with a fake autumn background. I where love I took a photo, that. Yeah. Which um, I th- guess that's from the Me Against the Music video. Huh. But That was a great photo. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I thought it was a deep cut reference to my favorite Britney song, Autumn Goodbye. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> There's like some Easter eggs for like the people who made it, I think, like Britney genuinely. And they would like, have to, right? Yeah. Well, um, it's a marketing firm, though. Yeah, but it's also like they they said well, they're the, probably right, right generation. They're yeah. also probably. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it has like a sense of humor. Like it's not it is strange. But the best part is the blackout room, the the blackout phase, which was like when Britney got 5150 yeah. and had sort of her personal low point. To represent that, it just like that era, because also it's people's favorite album and it's yeah. the best album. It's a chapel, and it's like the there's no pictures of Britney. You like can't even really take a selfie in it, but it's like sort of like a Romeo and Juliet, Boz Lerman like chapel to Britney <laughs> with like blackout stained glass Ooh. windows and like this altar with just like the cover of blackout, <laughs> like a neon rectangle. And then just like LED candles everywhere and like flowers and hearts. Um, and that was like where I had a spiritual experience. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Did you forget you were in a former Kmart? Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I was like, I would stay in here all day, you know, if I weren't with a group and moving along. Like, I would totally just hang out here forever because it's, like, great. It's a great space. And they said they've had requests already for people to get married in there. You're kidding. Oh, my God. I just liked the idea. I was like, oh, it's Graceland. It's, like, Mm -hmm. a secular space of worship for, like, someone that we love, but also, like, they don't have to be here for us to, like, worship them at this point. It's probably better for everyone if they're not. So... Who else was there when you were there? Like, did you see a good mix of ages and stuff, or was no, it pretty it was much all, everyone? It was all people in their twenties and thirties, mm-hmm. and um, there was a couple there who seemed to be having the most fun of anyone. I bet because they were like, like one of them was like looking at this Britney Infinity mirror, and the other one was like, "What's this?" And he was like, "Our future bathroom." <laughs> 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 and they also told the guide at the end that there's apparently like a gay sex club a few blocks away also called The Zone. <laughs> they right. were like, oh, yeah, we, we heard that. Like, we got a lot of, yeah. They thought it was funny. Mix-ups. Like, yeah. Like they seemed to be having the best time. And they also were like, take had a buddy to take photos of each yeah. other. And then there were some people with camera people who were like YouTubers, I imagine. Yeah. Who were like coming with their own person filming them, kind of dressed up <laughs> for mm-hmm. the thing. And then there was me. <laughs> <laughs> Molly reporting on the zone. Lurking in the shadows of the zone. Um, yeah, I had a really good time. And um, I know a lot of people who are going. So It's kind of weird when you think when you were talking earlier about how the vision of the future from the kind of like, you know, late 90s or mid 90s to late 90s, how everybody was so obsessed with thinking about the future and now everyone is only thinking about the past. It seems very dark. (laughs) 
it in is. ways to be explored later. Yeah, I mean, but well, this is like... Well, there might not be a later. No, exactly. So. In ways this, to be explored, never. This is very much like consciously like a respite from the darkness. Well, I mean, that's what's, that's what's kind of interesting is when you have these pop-up museums, there is this kind of inherent cynicism and oh yeah you know and like i find them deeply creepy deeply and creepy and and also just so shallow and so so kind of obviously not uh anything physical yeah you know it's it's, it's like a very two-dimensional 100 percent opiate yeah like, it yeah i don't know it's like everything is a respite yes it's, yes we all need a respite but what if all of culture is now a respite yeah <laughs> like, well that's like, what's cool about the the britney thing is that it it's a commentary on that maybe i'm reaching it, but it, it feels I like s- a commentary whether it means to or not because it's like a children's museum for adults yeah about, well, all, that's what they all are that's, that's what they all are but this is like about someone who's like in an arrested state of childhood in our cultural memory in many ways and yeah. like there are no pictures of her now it's very much like mm-hmm. like take a journey through her life and like don't talk about what's going on right this moment because we yeah. just want to appreciate but it does also make you be like she has such a body of work that like she can retire if she wants to like she shouldn't have to make anything else she doesn't like, get to decide which is the horrible well, the, thing yeah. yeah i mean they i know they didn't use the it's a pop-up it's not a museum it's not using the word museum like a lot of places use it it's which an I experience is, it's an experience like but the thing is that, like, at some point, if there is a future, uh, there should be a Britney Spears museum, mm-hmm. um, like That's in her hometown totally. or something like, like a presidential library or something like that. And it's weird to think about that, though. Like because, a presidential like, library. Exactly. I love you. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> in Louisiana. Where's she from? I think there is Kentwood. one. Yeah. yeah. I think there maybe is one in her hometown that's kind of like... Like a, a ad hoc type, like yeah. local enthusiasm a thing, folk or lo- museum. yeah, like local hero type thing. I mean, yeah, it's just like, but like I would also just want there to be like an actually academic and like honest look at the life of Britney and like what she represented and where she sat in history and why she was significant. And you know, obviously, lots of journalists and critics and stuff will write about her in that way, but like, and have written about her in that way, but like. When, when all museums are like experiences that are just like these sort of worshipful walks down nostalgia lane, it just feels like uh, maybe that's all the only way we're going to be able to look back on the past is like with rose colored glasses or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think part of it is that it kind of also alludes to the fact that there's so much we don't know. You yes. know, and that if there were an actual museum, there would have to be information about what's going on with her now, which yes. is perplexing Not and gonna happen. challenging. <laughs> so instead, they kind of serve you something to counteract this like other movement going on. Which yeah. Is yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It feels like, you know, again, this is the thing I've had. I have I had this conversation with many people, by the way, where it's like. Like, we've stopped assuming that there is going to be a future because I'm just like, well, in the future, like, maybe we will f- find out what ha- what's been going on this whole time. Like, that'll mm-hmm. be uncovered in the way that, like, a lot, you know, like a bad example is like Michael Jackson or something where it's like somebody is so famous and obviously troubled and a lot of it is shrouded in mystery and then, like, maybe after their death is when all of that stuff comes out. And not that I think that anything that dark is necessarily happening with Britney, although something dark is definitely happening with her. But, like, we are not going to be in the position to know about that so long as, like, 
she's around, I feel like. It's interesting that somebody can be so famous as she is, and there is so much that we don't know about her. Yeah. But that's also yeah. why she's like the perfect star, because she's exactly. like Marilyn. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like, and you can't really get away with that anymore yeah. if you start out now, I feel like. But there is also something where it's like, yeah, you can't, they, they would love for someone to be as big of a star as Britney in the way that she was a star. And it also is like sort of a museum to dead technology, because there's like magazine covers mm-hmm. and like, thing, you know, physical CDs as an idea just it does it's very nostalgic but it made me feel things so it's art (laughs) (laughs) it's art so speaking of spiritual uh experiences i have a friend who recently clued me into the phenomenon known as sleep casts which i did not know about i'm sure a lot of our listeners probably already know about this um the app headspace has what are called sleep casts and they're not ASMR and they're not super narrative, but there is a narrative component. They are 45 minute long podcasts intended to lull you to sleep. So on the Headspace um, website, it says similar to bedtime stories, sleep casts take you on an audio guided tour of a dreamy environment, whether that's a California desert at night or a beautifully tranquil lakeside lodge. Sleep casts vary in length from 45 to 55 minutes. Each one begins with a wind down, which could be a meditation exercise or even a simple breathing technique. And then it's like followed by a narrated tour of a sleepy landscape, a sleepy (laughs) landscape. So one of them is called Midnight Laundrette, and it gives you a tour of a nighttime laundromat. There's also Cat Marina which bustle in covering the sleep cast. It says it sounds exactly how the name suggests. It's a particularly unique highlight. Perfect if you're a fan of boats or a fan of cats. Even better if you happen to be a lover of both. Oh, that's what Kitty Marina That's what Cat Marina is. So I listened to like, I I forget the name because it was not like one of the most uh, unique ones. It was Available on YouTube. I don't have the Headspace app. Um, and it, I was strangely into it. And I guess they're remixed so that if I think, you know, they're always kind of like unpredictable because apparently when something pe- becomes predictable or you've done it before, you start anticipating and that creates anxiety and then you can't fall asleep. But I'm I'm kind of super into them. And I was like, wow. maybe we should have a night call sleep cast. I, I feel like people are going to think we're doing Spawn right now because <laughs> I do not. believe Headspace advertises on a lot of podcasts. I know. <laughs> well, if they want to advertise here, <laughs> go ahead. Love Headspace. to do a sleep cast. I was going to make fun of your sleep cast. And then I listened to one and I was like, actually. Wait, can I say, though, that I would find personally, to me, it would be stressful not to know what's happened already. That's what stops me from falling asleep most of the time. Because you want to find out what happened. Yeah, like I can't fall asleep like watching a law and order because I'm like, I have to know who did who it. killed it. But you, you have to know how the laundry comes out yes. at the midnight launderer. Because then once I know, it's relaxing to watch it, which is why I fall asleep to David Fincher's Zodiac. <laughs> what, what they need to do is just have people come on and tell you about their dreams because that is yes, the, most the most boring well, thing to listen have to. Have you guys ever heard Dion McGregor? Have we ever talked about him on here? No. He's a guy who made these records in the late 50s or early 60s where he talked in his sleep and he apparently was like sleeping on a friend's couch who was like, you don't have to pay me in exchange for if I can record you (gasps) talking in your sleep. And so it's like recordings, these long recordings of someone narrating their dream out loud 
it's not relaxing because a lot of them are anxiety dreams. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, now I'm in the balloon contest and I'm getting in the balloon. But they're <laughs> super weird. I used to play them on my college radio show. Well, we should play them on yeah. this college radio show next. <laughs> maybe next week we'll follow up yeah. with some of that. Um, that sounds great. My friend Mike Metzger <clears throat> got me into it. it. There's just like a couple records of it, but it's one of like the all-time great weird records. What is the most is the most boring thing people telling you about their dreams or is it's the one most, of them? That's the most. And for it's you? really hard to to put your finger on why. I guess because it has no bearing on anything you actually need to care about. So it's, it's like not when somebody's telling you a regular story about their life where it's like, and what happened next? And what did you think about that? And what are you going to do about that? It's like there's nothing. It's just like this thing happened and it wasn't real. Well, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's often like someone trying to explain like a run they did in a video game. Right. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like, and then I got the coins. And then I didn't have the coins anymore. Weirdly, though, watching people do runs on video games is compelling. Well, I'm yeah. Fine. yeah. <laughs> but should we start playing? Uh, we were talking about maybe playing uh, Tetris on Twitch sometime. Oh, uh, I please. Let's do this. Please, you guys. I got the other day. I was like slaying it at Tetris. And I was like, why is no one watching me? No one's here. It's so need upsetting. an audience or it's not real. I need everyone <laughs> clapping for me. I please took a clap. picture. Please clap. Exactly. I've been practicing Dr. Mario. We are up to date on the games of 1985. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, because also now gamers. my the next generation, my son is has started the Legend of Zelda. Mm. And but much like the difference between watching someone play the Legend of Zelda, which is a very beautiful game, when someone is telling you that they found an apple and a, a piece of fish and how they cooked the apple and the fish to regain their... St- it's just like, wow, that's a sleep cast. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is a sleep cast there. I have to say, I find... I, I While I appreciate the idea and I love the absurdity of stuff like... What is it? Kitty Marina? Cat Marina. Cat Marina. <laughs> I, I am a little bit... Maybe I'm just in hyper-paranoid mode because of what we're going to talk about in our next segment. But, like, I do feel kind of weird about letting somebody into my head in that yeah, period yeah, of yeah. time before I yeah. fall asleep. When you're very suggestible. Hypnotizing. Yeah. It- yeah, it does feel like it could easily tilt over into that. It, it also feels like, to me, any streaming thing, it could just, like, who knows what it goes to next, you know? Like, yeah. you can't, that's why sure. you can't, like, fall asleep to YouTube. I like though, that this is going in a conspiracy direction, though, too, because when I was listening to it, it starts off, like, describing this environment, but then it, it leads you through some breathing and relaxation exercises. Mm-hmm. And it was occurring to me, I was like, what if... You were listening to something like this, and they were like, now take a deep breath and hold, (laughs) hold, hold. And then people, I was like, there's my movie right there, where it's like someone in a meditation app just makes people die by being like, don't don't breathe. Oh, don't (laughs) breathe. Killer (laughs) ASMR is going to be a horror movie. It will be. It will will come out. We said it here. Copyright the idea. Copyright night call. Copyright. If you say copyright, it's copyright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. WGA registration right now. Yes. Um, No, I've had this idea. It's just like, because, you know, it's like frequencies, and, you know, they make you tingle. And what if one made you tingle so much that your brain exploded? Such a good idea for (laughs) <laughs> about a lot of these things is like the way to fall asleep is to have your phone be off. Well, isn't your phone obviously off when you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep? Yeah, but not no. if you're playing Kitty Marina. Cat Marine. Cat. You guys Cat turn your Kitty Marina, you don't know her that well. No, but I, w- I would like to. I put it on airplane mode if I'm thinking about it because I don't like it when it lights up in the middle of the I night. I plug yeah. mine in in a different room. So that's basically that's- off. 
Yeah. Well, that's smart. Yeah. Um, like to sometimes, me, Emily. Sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> like, doesn't a meditation app seem sort of counterproductive? Because like, to it's me- keeping you plugged yeah. in. You forever. You shouldn't yeah. need an app to meditate. You should. Your brain is the app. Well, have you guys no. ever tried the breathing thing? That's like I, I'm getting it wrong, so don't do this because you'll you'll probably die. Like I just suggested, <laughs> but it's like a four, three, five kind of thing where you breathe. You inhale for a certain number of counts. Hold it for a certain number of counts, exhale, and if you do it a certain number of times, apparently most people can fall asleep after doing that. It didn't work for me, but I think I was probably doing it wrong. No, but I've had a therapist like do something like that. I think it's like cognitive therapy. Yeah, just mm. you do that to calm down. But I didn't I also find cognitive can, therapy helpful. Can never at all. remember what it is. Cognitive yeah, therapy right? is well. We can have a whole other discussion. <laughs> we <laughs> will. Yeah. Um, this is weird, weird, but unrelated. But like, I've been having a lot of vertigo recently, and there's like this. This feels very like also like could become a horror movie. There's a series of maneuvers you called do. Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, it's taken. Unfortunately, Vertigo Two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> unrelated. Vertigo to colon unrelated. <laughs> um, but, but copyright, copyright, yeah, copyright, 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 copyright. copyright, copyright it. Um, but there's a series of maneuvers you do if you have vertigo called the Epley maneuvers. Oh, I know about this. Yeah, and it's very, it's very like the movements in um, OA. Like it's a, it's like this thing where you turn your head one way and then you slam your head you're, or you like fall backwards onto the bed really fast and then you have to like do you turn over to the side and then you s- quickly turn over to the other side. I'm, I'm not on the <laughs> mic because I'm trying to do it. But it's like it feels sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it feels like what if this is just a thing to like put my brain in just the right position in my bread, in my, my, my head that in my bread. <laughs> Did that, you do like, the Apple too hard? I did it too hard. I Apple too hard. Apple so hard. <laughs> I think anything that takes your mind off things. Has anyone else ever had water port kind of soft waterboarded for hiccups? For hiccups? Oh, oh um, yeah. Well, do you ever you drink ups out of the wrong side of the cup upside down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such it's a like horrible you, sensation. You, it's <sighs> such a weird thing to do to yourself. Uh, well, one thing that. I was someone suggested sometimes. you hold your pinky, you squeeze your pinky really hard until it's unbearable. And then they were like, it's better if you do it to someone else. So for a while, someone out of the cups, they'd be like, give me your pinky. Well, be like, ow, we should damn, do, oh like, God. what are you doing? We should do a series on like old wives tales. Oh, we should. Oh, yeah. Um, be into that. Because, yeah, because there's so many things that are just kind of pseudoscience that are just in the ether of like, we don't know how to stop the hiccups. Well, there's speaking been- about things we don't know, we should take a break and then come back with a vintage story, a, a mystery. mystery. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day 
Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. are back. So we wanted to kick off our month of spooky love 
unconventional love stories, strange romance kind of stuff by revisiting The Golden Suicides, which uh, we all read the Vanity Fair feature by Nancy Jo Sales from 2007. Nancy Jo. Nancy Jo. Mm. Uh, Alexis Nyers. <laughs> do the whole thing. Um, this is about Teresa Duncan and Jeremy Blake, uh, a couple who both committed suicide within 10 days of each other, uh, following some kind of a, they, a very... Two different kind stories of, at play here. Yeah, a kind of conjunct meltdown that may or may not have had something to do with Scientology. A folie à deux. Yeah, we briefly mentioned it when we were talking to our friend Lily Simonson about um, Beck because of his recent Scientology apostasy, <laughs> which this is one of several sources that proves <laughs> that Yes. What he said was not true, which was what he said was that I never said I was a Scientologist and I never would have said that. Um, and in this, he is, uh, I, I don't, I can't tell if this is something from another source that she's citing in it or something that she, like she interviewed him for this story. Inter- I think, I think he, this was directly to Nancy yeah. Joe. Okay. Because part of it is that they, the couple was working with him and, um, and he was in they allegedly said they were getting him out of the church, and he was like, no, that's never true. Mm-hmm. So um, that was sort of what reminded of, us of this story. Uh, it's one of the ago. most haunting. It's really upsetting. <laughs> it's a very, very upsetting feature. Um, it's a very upsetting story because they were both super talented, on the rise, um, beautiful, super in love, only had wonderful things to say about each other. And uh, this was like an all time Vanity Fair story. It really yeah. was. Um, yeah. Do you remember reading it when it first came out? Yes. Oh, yeah. And yes. I remember, I mean, speaking of spooky love, one of the things that they were known for was that they did the imagery for Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. Yes. And the cover of Beck's Sea Change. Yeah. So a um, couple of the, the, the two of the best things to come out of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, and that she was involved in making educational CD-ROMs. Well, she was like this, she was kind of reinventing new media a little bit. Like, she just seemed very kind of forward-thinking. She feels like, I mean, they don't mention it, but just because she was in New York in that time period and, like, working in tech, I just, like, they're, like, pseudo-people, like, people who are hanging out at... At We Live in Public? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm. I was totally thinking that, too. Yeah, Yeah. like, like the Douglas Copeland... Yeah. Micro surf mm-hmm. generation yeah. of people that made money on the first wave of yeah. tech, like trying to make tech into like a bohemian thing, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to what it ended up being, right? Yeah. Um, Pseudo yeah. was very ahead of its time, though. Yeah, I've been really compelled to rewatch that movie. It's an amazing to... movie. We live in public. I we love it. Probably have we done one about it? I, I don't think so. we've mentioned it. I did a Jack AM about it actually last Valentine's Day. Oh wow, yeah. Johnny and I went on together to talk about We Live in Public because we thought that a couple doing a morning show together every day was kind of We Live in Publicy. It just is. Rewatched Dig. Uh, by oh, the yeah. same director. I haven't seen Dick. Oh, okay, we're another <laughs> wildly off oh, track, but this is all do, 90s stuff. Yeah, like, we should do like a late 90s or early 2000s March, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah let's do let's do time hopping spring. And yeah. we'll just skip yeah. around. Quantum leap. Quantum leap. Or we um, could do like Y2K or something. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. But we should give some background in case anybody isn't familiar with like the kind of trajectory of what happened. Yeah, we them. should run through this story. So, 
in very Vanity Fair style, we are introduced to this couple who just seem to have it all. They're gorgeous and brilliant, and um, Teresa uh, is a uh, she she designs. She's like um, doing CD-ROMs, educational CD-ROMs, games, that kind of stuff. Jeremy is an artist. Um, they Teresa kind of, also has a blog. Yes, Wit of the Staircase. Yes, Early Brie de Escal. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and they meet kind of through the DC punk scene and then later hanging out in New York. So it's like very cool 90s hipster, scene-ster type stuff. But things started to go wrong when they moved to LA. Yes. And that was, they were living in a Venice bungalow and they had a bunch of kind of also cool neighbors. And at some point, it seemed as though they both got tremendously paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, people said that Teresa would be hanging out in the alley, kind of like hooting and hollering. They they would um, encounter their neighbors and say, like, we need you to take a loyalty oath to yeah. us and promise us that you won't join the Church of Scientology and yeah. promise us you're not already in there. And these people wanted to work with Jeremy and Teresa because they were so exciting and like they were visionaries. So they just kind of went along with it. But then eventually this turned into harassment. They said that, you know, they seemed like they were either very mentally ill or maybe on drugs or they didn't, you know, know what was going on there. And they started with a lot of paranoia about Scientology, seemingly branching off from their involvement with Beck because, um, Teresa had a film that she was trying to get made that she was trying to get Beck to be signed on to star in. And then he ended up backing out and it kind of made the entire project collapse or at least was one of the factors that made her film uh, kind of stall out. And so I think she she was very discouraged by that. The way that the story goes is that like I feel like the film is sort of the thing that her getting involved Mm -hmm. in the film industry was sort of like one of the things that started to make everything go sideways. That is also the point where sort of the narrative converge it diverges yeah yeah diverges where the narrative diverges into two like possible equal paths where either they were being stalked by a cult and they became incredibly paranoid and sort of lost their minds together um or they had a serious drug problem well also though what's interesting is beck had said i didn't really know them that well i met them like one or two times and i guess i read the script eventually i was never in talks to be in it but Teresa was publishing pictures, I think, on her blog. Of them all hanging out. Of them all hanging out on the beach, Mm -hmm. which seemed to kind of go against what Beck had said. And it could be, I mean, it's totally reasonable that maybe Beck had been just trying to be nice and got the sense that they were kind of a little fringy and well, pushed the other them question away. is, did they fall into Scientology at some point? Right. And that's mm-hmm. how they met Beck. See, this is how I understood this story the when I first read it, when it came out, I understood it as like uh, they probably got involved with Scientology and then tried to get out. Well, and it's like, also it's an interesting, complicated thing because one of the ways Scientology operates is that a lot of people are these sort of like pseudo bohemians, and right. especially at that time in that scene in LA, there were a lot of people that were Scientologists, but also some people who weren't mm-hmm. all making art and yeah. doing stuff together. So. Yeah. It seems very likely that they got involved in the scene there. Yeah. And this is all like, I mean, people had, the, you know, there had been some real reporting about Scientology at this point. But I think this, I would say this is like well before 
Scientology and like the abuses and all all of the real dirty laundry oh, about yeah, Scientology yeah. was really out there for like public consumption well, or like yeah. it was commonplace knowledge. I that's guess. also why I think so. She she claimed that she was being stalked by Scientologists. The phone would ring in the middle of the night. There were people hanging out outside her house. You know, there was a dead cat on the roof. Yeah. And what's interesting is I think at a certain point. Um, there was a real kind of like reversal of how people thought about Scientology. For a while, mm-hmm. it was there were kind of whispers about harassment and things like that, but only much later than their suicides was this kind of acknowledged as being something that the church actually does. So in a way, it kind of lends legitimacy to the idea that maybe she was being harassed, mm-hmm. but... If you're being harassed a little bit, it's also easy to see how if you're a little unstable, you can start to see everything as harassment. It's also possible, again, that if they were being harassed and maybe they were also smoking crystal meth, which Mm -hmm. is what uh, some people alleged was going on because they were like covering the windows with tinfoil. And they were drinking. He was drinking at work. She she was drinking bottles of champagne. They possibly had addiction issues that could have been exacerbated by actually being stalked. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. paranoia just makes you feel like whether you are being stalked or not, you're always feeling like you are. Yeah. But I always thought that it was just drugs until right now. And the detail about the dead cat just made me rethink everything. Right. Because that story just came out about um, the guy from the Mars Volta who is married to one of Danny Masterson's accusers, said that his, their dog was just poisoned. Yes. Oh, yeah. I feel like there have been a few pet poisonings, killings, stuff like that. Because it wasn't their cat, though. No, I don't it, think it was. It, it was, was mentioned in the... No, but it yeah. seems like that's a tactic. Is no, they, they like poison. That. I think yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. may be in Going Clear or it may be on um, the Operation Clambake blog or something. There there was a mention of some... I think it happened in St. Petersburg at, at, or at Clearwater or whatever. Yeah. It's like a, a thing that is definitely... An intimidation to be used. Right. And again, it's like maybe if they signed up for some list or something like that doesn't mean that like Beck was like, you know, send the hounds after them. Oh, I don't think Beck had anything to do with it. I think that but I think that Beck maybe was friendlier with them than he later claimed. Yeah, it is also kind of like or was it just like Hollywood bullshit? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's funny that that you're more convinced it was Scientology this time around because I was certainly convinced it was Scientology when I first read it. And that was like very chilling to me. I mean, that was one of the first things I read where I was like, holy shit, I'm never going to set foot in a Scientology building ever again, which not that I have changed my mind at all (laughs) about that. But I think reading it this time, so many of the patterns and like and stuff that happened, like the same Beck's going to be in your movie, which could be like stretching a truth. Like mm-hmm. you met him once, you hung out once at a party or you hung out a couple times and then you're like, he's going to be my movie. And you just say that so you can try to get like, you know, hype going for your film and try to get it made. Like that all fe- that all tracks as like a very common kind of delusion slash white lie you can tell to try to get yourself ahead and it feels everybody like does. this very gen x thing of like they had this great success in new york and they were this like golden couple in mm-hmm. new york and then they moved to los angeles and they couldn't like replicate that yeah clout yeah. so yeah. they just kind of like and she didn't went. succeed immediately at, at, at trying to yeah. get him film made because she was just like in a new or just they were like oh everyone's beautiful and like talented so like right. get in line yeah well, also she in the feature they mentioned that she had published uh an interview that she had with um, the priest who was married to Nancy Joe Sales, Frank Morales, and it was about uh, MK Ultra and Operation mm-hmm. Chaos, and and kind of started what? off with real mind yeah. control things. Yeah. But then she kind of segued and was like, "What if Dick Cheney actually is, is Satan?" Satan. 
Like, what if? Well, that's not wrong. Well, it's hard to it's hard to tell though because it could be kind of a like flip, whatever. This, yeah, because I think that the the track they go down, which seems to get kicked off by the Scientology thing, and then go into like documented but still like conspiracy theorist type material like MK Ultra, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then go into Alex Jones and 9-11 truthers and stuff like that. That all feels like very prescient of like right. what it's like to be on the internet now, except this is all like pre-social media, really like in a real way. I mean, this is like they died in right. 2007. I think being online is a mental, like a mental illness that people like we joked about internet addiction always you know like there was a diagnosis for internet addiction but But we all have it now right the idea that we're all addicted to it in a way that is like cigarettes where it's like not good for you it's compulsive the more you do it it makes you feel bad but if you like stop doing it you like freak out about doing it again Mm -hmm. unless you stop for an extended period of time and then you stop needing it yeah well it also kind of breaks your ability to be able to infer what's sincere and what right. is performative. Oh, yeah, irony poisoning from, yeah. like, Twitter is just, yes. like, one of the most... I've seen... That's uh, more so than people losing their minds online from, like, pa- for paranoid reasons. Like, the irony poisoning is just, like, one of the reasons I can't actually read Twitter that much anymore. Yeah. And it's really hard to, like... I mean, once you start going down... Right. Like, that path... Because I do also feel like I made fun of, like, all the Pizzagate stuff, obviously, but then, like, the Epstein stuff is, like... Made a lot of people into Pizzagate on the other side of the fence. Because there is a lot of crazy stuff about the government. Well, it's also some of the things with um, the Duncan and Blake story that are interesting is they do seem self-aware i mean like so Mm -hmm. blake did the winchester trilogy obviously Mm -hmm. about someone losing their mind yeah and in a way it's like so much of their entire story it's i don't want to say it felt performative because obviously taking your life is not performative but it it was they were dramatic people dramatic but also melodramatic people it's just buying into like living this kind of life that you you feel is i mean like we live in public where you feel like you're being like you're important and you're putting out important work and then you yourself are an important work and you're a target yeah right? right but then you also are kind of tying it in with things like interviewing someone on your blog about conspiracy theories while you deeply believe in a conspiracy theory but you're clearly kind of aware like we're not mm-hmm. really like but yeah. but then you know th- there's this weird blurred line where you can really easily understand how someone well, could like, lose it right like at what point does obsession just like take over yeah you know and a lot of high functioning people and smart people also have mental illnesses yeah. and yeah and a lot of if, yeah. if yeah i mean i feel especially like if if you're a high-functioning, smart person and you have been told that you are a high-functioning and smart person your entire life, then you are more inclined to think that you are can be let in on some kind of information that not everybody else is let in. Like, you mm-hmm. you are you are more well-informed about something. And like, in Gen X, there's, like, this performative thing of, like, but also you can't show how bad you want it. You have to, like, pretend oh, to be yes. too cool to well, want I anything think, I mean, always. I think it made them mad. I think instead right. of making them feel humbled, it made them mad. And, and I think a lot of people do, like, come to Los Angeles with, like, a big expectation of, like, what will happen there and then 
are humbled by the reality. I think that's true about everywhere. Yeah. I agree, but I, I mean, do I think, think they moved these... to New York and they moved right. into this like cool like artist spot or whatever. Right. It was $5,000 a month. They weren't making in, like, any money. In like the mid aughts, it was $5,000. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think when people are having success, it's like they do sometimes feel like, oh, we're like blessed, you know, mm-hmm. we're yeah. special. We're people. important people. Yeah. yeah. Well, those are the people also that think they get abducted by aliens, as we saw in Communion yeah, by Whitley Stryber. <laughs> Whitley yeah. Stryber. There's a Very kind of man. like wanting to be exceptional that becomes a kind of like psychopathy. Yeah. Did you guys find them to be a romantic couple at all, at least before things went south? Or yes. maybe while things went well, south? Well, there's something romantic about like going crazy together. Yes. yes. You know? And they were so, they seemed so completely committed to each other. They were together for 12 years. They obviously moved a bunch of times. Their careers evolved. And they they only ever had wonderful things to say about yeah. each other. They seemed really creatively Super supportive. Yeah. They were each other's hype men. But maybe that was actually sort of what doomed them because if they had had more outside influence, if they hadn't just had each other to be like, this right. is what's happening, you're right. Yeah. Maybe they were confirming each other's paranoia. Yeah. I mean, like, there's that detail, like, the last night that uh, – like the last night that Teresa was alive, they were in Hollywood for a meeting with George Pelicanos because they were like working on a an adaptation of a book of his. And then like they were last seen by the people that they were at dinner with, like still holding hands while they were walking across the street back to their car. It's just like after like a Hollywood meeting as like a married couple and you're and you like are still just like holding hands all the time. I don't know. It's like very Ugh, it's like very um yeah and then like ironically like this did make their ip important to somebody you know and mm-hmm. there was going to be a movie at one point written by brady Snellis, although it got kibosh for some can you reason. imagine i would be so mad if i if my life if you died life story, story was like story became, we're gonna give it to brady Snellis. Yeah. he's he like that's the worst justice. yeah <laughs> no way um, yeah, I feel like uh, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. There's somebody with more empathy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also it is like we don't know that much about them as interiors, which is what's interesting. It's like there's a lot of information about them. There's a lot of photos of them. She has an entire blog. And I definitely remember looking at her oh, blog for sure. after yeah. reading the article and having that creepy feeling of reading a dead person's blog. Oh, yeah. You know, where you're like... That so many people will get to enjoy now that everyone has a blog that <laughs> no, is I mean, a blog graveyard. But it is like, that's one of those things where you're like, should I be doing this? Like, yeah. this is bad. It feels very... Yeah. Like, like I read the Cecil Hotel girls Lisa blog Lamb. also yeah, yeah. I just was Ugh. like this is making me feel gross but also it gives them like this humanity if you're like here's an alive person yeah. not just like I I think it's not I don't think that it's like amoral to read like obviously like you put something down on uh, in a public forum and like you do that for a reason because you want people to read your words I mean generally and I think like there is some something to be gained yeah. by, by reading It's just that. sad because you're always like, they feel alive and they're posting mm-hmm. still. Right. Well, there's yeah. also, I mean, I don't know. If I died under mysterious circumstances, I don't think there would be like clues on my Tumblr. But... Yeah, but what if you left a series of tapes? That... Right. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, you know, a treasure hunt. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Well, if you have any favorite 
tragic romances, weird romances, unusual romances, unusual romances, strange love triangles. Yeah, we're going to be talking about them all month long. So uh, share your thoughts with us. You can send us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com or give us a night call at 1240-46-NIGHT. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Night Call Pod and Instagram and Facebook at Night Call Podcast. And you can join our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash nightcall. You can join us there and get all sorts of fun stuff like our newsletter, our bonus episodes, our mixtapes. So check it out. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. With more spooky love February. Spooky love. Spooky. Night Call is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. 
sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.